This is Tailgate Till May. I'm your host, Stephen Gorgie, and I'm back for another episode to talk about what you care about most in the world of college sports. I have a great show planned for you today, but first a reminder, you can subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast. That's Apple, Spotify, Google, you name it. If you like the show, I'd love if you leave a five-star review and subscribe. You can also find me on Twitter at Gorgon Sports, where I'm giving out my college basketball gambling picks on a daily basis. Had a hot Wednesday night, went 5-0, and back above 500 now, feeling good, going to keep the picks rolling. Follow me there for my picks and all sorts of other various musings. Want to do a little housekeeping before we get into today's topics. So for the rest of the college basketball season, we're going to be going on a three-day-per-week program. On Monday mornings, there will be an episode posted that's recapping our weekend of college basketball. All the big games of the weekend we'll be talking about. Usually, Brian will be on that with me. Sometimes I'll be solo, but we will be talking about everything that matters in the world of college basketball that occurred over the weekend. On Wednesday mornings, I'm going to start doing a football kind of year in review segment, maybe taking a look backwards at what happened in twenty in the 2022 college football season, whether that be uh, the various conferences, teams, whatever, bowl games. We're going to look back, see what mattered in 2022 and how we can apply it moving forward into 2023. As the spring progresses, we'll also get into spring games, uh, transfer portal news, National Signing Day news, and if big basketball topics come up then, we'll certainly talk about them too, but that will be kind of your football-focused show throughout the rest of the winter and spring. And then on Friday mornings, we'll have a weekend basketball preview coming your way, again, mixed with whatever the biggest news of the day, and if there are pressing things that need to be talked about in the world of college sports, of course, we will cover them, those Wednesday and Friday shows, those will be me solo, I'll be talking to you one-on-one, and like I said, we're not going to ignore pressing news of the day in college sports, just because we have a big weekend of basketball ahead, and today is the perfect example of that, as it was announced that Big Ten Commission Kevin Warren will be the next president and CEO of the Chicago Bears. Warren was hired by the Big Ten to lead the conference as just their sixth commissioner ever back in June of 2019. Warren was the first black commissioner of the Big Ten and the first black commissioner of any Power Five conference. Although Warren didn't preside over the conference for very long, especially in comparison to his predecessor, Jim Delaney, who served as the leader of the conference for three decades, Warren led the conference through an extraordinarily tumultuous time in the world of college sports. Shortly after taking over He dealt with the COVID-19 pandemic. He made the very controversial decision to cancel that football season, ultimately decided to play a shortened season and and walk back that decision. But uh, he was dealing with some very unprecedented circumstances when uh, very early in his tenure uh, when he made that decision. Then as things progressed throughout his tenure, he, he accomplished some landmark things. 
he led the Big Ten to the signing of a new seven-year media rights deal with CBS, Fox, and NBC that's valued at over $1 billion annually and is the most lucrative in the history of college sports. That deal gives the Big Ten a spot every Saturday on Fox at noon, CBS in that coveted 3.30 time slot that's traditionally been the SEC time slot, and NBC in prime time at night. Uh, An unprecedented deal, really something to be proud of if you look at a, a conference commissioner as someone who is working on behalf of the schools to get them as much value as possible. I think uh, I think it's it's clear to say that Kevin Warren accomplished that with that media rights deal, an unprecedented deal. And then the other big landmark accomplishment of Kevin Warren's tenure as Big Ten commissioner was acquiring USC and UCLA, who are set to join the league in 2024. The two California schools taking them, stealing them from the Pac-12 as the Big Ten becomes the first truly coast-to-coast power league. And again, if you look at at the job of a conference commissioner as doing what is in the best interest of his or her member schools, Kevin Warren did that by going out and getting those California schools. He ensured that the Big Ten has a place from coast to coast that if you, whether you are in the nation's capital or you are in California from coast to coast, there will be people who are affiliated with the big 10 schools and the big 10 has become or will become in a very short amount of time. What was once a regional Midwestern league to now a league that has schools on the East Coast, in the Midwest, and on the West Coast, a truly national league. And if you look at the future of the sport and what may be coming down the pike, you want to be national. You want to have brands all over the place because really the long and the short of this whole thing is if you have brands, you will continue to drive TV revenue. That's why the SEC, despite still being a relatively regional league, is able to command top dollar because they have major brands that people care about, that people across the country want to watch, even if they are, you know, don't live in that area because Alabama is a brand. Georgia is a brand. Florida is is a brand. Now going out and getting Oklahoma and Texas, it does expand a bit regionally, but more importantly, those are brands. And now with this acquisition, the Big Ten has gotten two brands while also expanding its regional footprint and uh, giving them a stronghold in that California market, that populous LA market, and it, this has really set the the combination of this media rights deal along with the acquisition of USC and UCLA have really set up the Big Ten to be part of that power two along with the SEC moving forward. And 
in this modern world of college football, college sports, one thing is clear. If you are not being aggressive, if you are not making moves, if you are being passive, waiting for things to happen, then it is very possible, if not likely, that you will be left behind. And Kevin Warren has ensured that the Big Ten will not be left behind, at least for the foreseeable future. They have money coming in now to compete with anybody. Schools like Purdue, Maryland, Indiana, Rutgers, who are more regional schools as far as football is concerned. Indiana certainly a uh, brand, a national brand from a basketball perspective. But those are schools... Let's just say those schools were out there as independents. If they were not part of the Big Ten, they could not command nearly as much without this conference. And it's put those schools in a really good place where now a coach might have to make a decision. Do I want to be go to a, I don't know, a school like North Carolina, which is in the ACC, which is not bringing in as much revenue? Or I, do I want to go to a mid-tier Big Ten school? And I think it's a tough decision for a coach like that, but if that Big Ten school can offer more money, I think in a lot of cases the mid-tier Big Ten school will probably win out. Now, the college football playoff and the expansion of that I think makes it a little more complicated because now there's an easier path to uh, the tournament and a potential national championship if you're in a weaker conference, if you don't have an Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, USC standing in your path. So I think that does even the playing field to some extent. But still, the if you're a school like the several I just mentioned, you'd much rather be in the Big Ten than the ACC at this point or the Pac-12 because if you are Maryland and you're still in the ACC, well, now you don't have the ability to lure a coach because you have the most money. You don't have a the opportunity to lure a coach because you have a clear path to the playoff because even in the ACC, you're still a middle-tier school. So you're kind of stuck in a no-man's land. So for those member schools, again, I think... They are, Kevin Warren drove the ship in the right direction for, to benefit all of his members. He ensured that a school like Maryland, a school like Rutgers, a school like Purdue will not be left behind if at some point the Super League comes calling because the Big Ten will be part of that Super League. And at least in the foreseeable future, those schools will not be left behind because they are part of the Big Ten. And I think really that is the legacy of Kevin Warren is creating that National League. Even though he he will not be there to actually see the implementation of it, he is the commissioner, the leader, who went out and acquired USC and UCLA. He went out and got that $1 billion deal that's going to put the Big Ten on national TV, CBS, Fox, and NBC from noon until night that anybody anybody with the TV is going to be able to watch those games and they're going to see the Big Ten all day, 
every Saturday. I think that is the lasting legacy of Kevin Warren, even though he was only the Big Ten commissioner for a very short amount of time. And now the question is, what does the Big Ten do next? And I think it has to, you really kind of have two options. Do you go, if you look around the rest of college sports right now, there's really two models. There's the career athletic administrator model, which is what the SEC and ACC have in Greg Sankey and Jim Phillips, both guys who made their careers in athletic administration at the college level. And then you look at what the Big 12 and Pac-12 did. The Big 12 with Brett Yormark, the Pac-12 with George Klyovkov. And those are two guys, two hires, two leaders that do not fit that traditional mold. Yormark was formerly the COO of Rock Nation and co-CEO of Rock Nation. And Klyovkov was president of entertainment and sports for MGM. So they come from the entertainment space. This is these are not traditional college sports conference hires where you're hiring somebody who was an athletic director or worked for the NCAA or was even a commissioner of a smaller conference. You are hiring people who are familiar with media, with uh, TV negotiations, entertainment, sports gambling, all of those types of things where college sports are really headed that are important in college sports. And for the Big Ten, I think it's a real decision. Which direction do you want to go? And I don't know the right answer to that question, but what I do know is what I said earlier. In this day and age of college sports, if you don't modernize, if you're not ahead of the curb, if you are not being aggressive, if you're sitting back and being passive, you will fall behind and your member schools will suffer for it. And I don't think you have to look much further than the long contract with ESPN that the ACC is locked into as far as, you know, they don't have the ability to go out right now and renegotiate a deal and get nearly the amount of money that bit the Big Ten got. So I don't know the right answer for this necessarily, but what I do know is you need, if you are the Big Ten, you have to find somebody who is going to be aggressive because if you aren't, you're going to be left behind. Let's take a quick break, and on the other side, we'll come back and talk about the weekend ahead in college hoops. All right, the football national championship game is over and hoop season is in full swing, ready to take over center stage. And boy, oh boy, am I excited about a few of the games that we have coming up this weekend. I want to start with a couple of games on Saturday. So at 4 p.m. Eastern time, we have the number 14 Iowa State going to Lawrence to take on the number two Kansas Jayhawks in the fog. It's a battle of top 15 teams in the polls. It's a battle of top 10 teams in the net rankings. And most importantly, it's a battle of two teams that are undefeated in conference play, undefeated in Big 12 play. Kansas State, a third team, also undefeated in Big 12 play. Only one of these two, Kansas or Iowa State, will leave undefeated. 
Kansas, your defending national champions, have been playing great this season, even after losing a bunch. They do stay return from that national championship team. One of their key pieces in Jalen Wilson, who outside of Zach Eady is probably playing better than anybody in the country right now. Uh, he's had an unbelievable season for the Jayhawks and the Jayhawks have been fantastic. Only losing once on the year. That was back in November. They lost to Tennessee in the battle for the Atlantis, uh, Hard-fought game, 64-50 loss. But since then, they have been on an absolute tear, winning nine straight. Now, they've won nine straight, but that doesn't mean they haven't had some close calls. Three of their last four games were really close games. Oklahoma State, uh, Texas Tech, and Oklahoma were three of their wins in their last four games, and those three wins against those three teams came by a total of nine points. So Kansas is playing with fire a little bit. They are not a dominant team just cruising through the schedule. They're playing well. They're winning games. They're doing what they need to do, but that doesn't mean that they're not potentially susceptible to a loss. But having said that, they are having a great season. Only Houston has lower odds. Houston is the favorite to win the national title. Kansas is right behind them, and uh, they are one of the teams to beat. Houston at plus 600 to win the national title, 6-1 to one odds. Kansas at plus 750, 7.5 to 1 odds. So they are right there among the favorites to win it all, as most Bill Self teams are. Uh, we saw a, a repeat national champion in the Georgia Bulldogs in the football side. Maybe we'll see one on the basketball side as well. But I'm I really looking forward to this game. Like I said, Kansas hasn't lost since losing to Tennessee. And in that Tennessee game, one of the reasons that they lost is Tennessee owned the glass. Tennessee, very good offensive rebounding team, uh, performed very well on the boards against Kansas. Really kind of took it to them in that area. And I'm interested to see if Iowa State can do the same thing. Iowa State has a couple really good big guys that are good offensive rebounders in Oshun Oshuni and uh, Robert Jones. Two big guys, both 6'10", both experienced guys. Oshuni is a transfer from St. Bonaventure, and Jones is a, a senior who uh, has bounced around a little bit. He was at Denver to start his career, but now he's in his second year at Iowa State. And those are both guys that are good offensive rebounders, good shot blockers, and it'll be interesting to see whether they can do what Tennessee did to Kansas on the offensive glass. Now, Tennessee is among the best teams in the country, and there is no shame in losing to Tennessee. They're, they're a team that's a potential national title contender, but I want to see whether Iowa State can do that to Kansas. And then on the Iowa State side, I mean, I think we got to just take a step back and, and continue to admire this story of T.J. Otzelberger, comes in second year as the head coach at Iowa State. In the 2020-2021 season, Iowa State went 0-18 in the Big 12, only won two games. One was against Arkansas Pine Bluff, another against Jackson State, did not win a conference game, lost in the first round of the conference tournament, and then 
TJ Otzelberger comes in the next year. He takes them to the NCAA tournament. They make a sweet 16. And here they are in year two, undefeated, 4-0 in conference play, 13-2 overall. Only losses on the season are to UConn and their in-state rival, Iowa. Uh, So it'll be, I'm really looking forward to seeing with this Iowa State team, are they a legitimate Big 12 title contender? The Big 12, as always, one of the toughest, deepest leagues in the country. For my money, it's the best league in the country. I mean, there's a realistic discussion to be had about if every Big 12 team can make the tournament. So it's a gauntlet. And in all likelihood, no, every Big 12 team will not make the tournament because you take losses as the season goes on. Look at Texas Tech, a great example. They're 10-6 and six overall, 0-4 in the conference. And if you lose too many of those conference games especially starting 0-4, you're just not going to make it. But this is a deep league top to bottom. Anybody can beat anybody on any given night. And I want to see, does Iowa State have what it takes to really be a contender? They are a great team at forcing turnovers on the defensive side. Number one in the country at forcing turnovers from a percentage perspective. It's always something you can use to generate offense, especially when they don't have the most efficient offense out there. But when you generate turnovers, it can lead to easy buckets. They're number four in steal percentage, so that means they're getting a lot of live ball turnovers as well. It's something I like in any team. So this is one that I'll definitely be watching. Four o'clock on Saturday, it's on ESPN+. Iowa State travels to Kansas, a battle of undefeateds in the Big 12. Another game I'll be watching on Saturday is right around that same time, 5 p.m. Eastern, number 24 Duke, goes on the road to Little John Coliseum to take on the 6-0 in-conference Clemson Tigers. That game's on ACC Network, and Clemson has been on an absolute tear themselves. Since losing to Loyola Chicago on December 10th, the Tigers are 6-0, and they're the 11th best team in the country over that span, per Bart Torvik. As a reminder, if you're not familiar, barttorvik.com is a college basketball advanced analytics site. Uh, has a gr- lot of great stats on there, but one of the main things that he measures is the overall efficiency of a team. And uh, Clemson is one of the one of the most efficient teams in the country since the middle of December. They have been playing some great basketball. They've done it by taking care of the ball and making life hard for their opponents inside the arc. A couple weeks ago, they went on the road to Blacksburg and they held Virginia Tech to just 28% shooting on two-point attempts. Offensively, they're not overly reliant on the three ball, but they have a bunch of good shooters, including 6'8", fifth-year senior Hunter Tyson, who's shooting 44% from beyond the arc. He is having an unbelievable year. 16 points per game, 10 rebounds. He can shoot. He can get to the basket. He boards. He passes. He's a lot of fun to watch. And in an ACC that's really down, I wonder if Clemson really legitimately has a chance to win this conference. If you take a look on FanDuel 
at the ACC championship odds. Virginia's your favorite at plus 220. Miami's at plus 340. And then Clemson is third, ahead of Duke, ahead of North Carolina at plus 410. Duke right behind them at plus 500. And then North Carolina at plus 650. So Clemson, the betting market says that Clemson is a legitimate contender for the conference title. And we're going to find out, you know, anytime Duke comes to town, you got to take care of business. If, you, if you're serious about winning a league, if you're serious about winning the ACC, it's always got to go through Duke. It's always got to go through North Carolina because they are always going to be two of the most talented teams in the league. And Clemson really has a big head start on a lot of these teams. Virginia, already 4-2 and two in conference. Duke, already 4-2 and two in conference, getting blown out a couple weeks ago by NC State, 84-60. to 60. They survived against Pittsburgh at home earlier this week. It's a game that they were down in and really dominated the first half of the, uh, the first 10 minutes of the second half to, to kind of come back. Ended up winning 77-69. Kyle Filipowski has been the star for them as a freshman. Duke brought in a Unbelievably highly relate, highly rated recruiting class, but Filipowski, the seven footer, has been the guy for them against Pitt. Twenty eight points, fifteen rebounds, an unreal performance, and you know they have been without Jeremy Roach for the past couple games, and I think he makes a a really big difference for him. Not sure of his status for the game against Clemson this weekend, but that that's a big difference for Duke right there, and they need all their pieces. They seem like they've had a little trouble gelling, you know, always a very highly rated class. Derek Lively, another seven-footer, seven-foot freshman, seven-one freshman that came in as part of this class, has not quite performed at the level that Filipowski has so far this year. Uh, Derek Whitehead, uh, another vaunted member of that, a uh, member of that vaunted freshman class, has been good but not great. Uh, so, you know, Duke for Duke, there is still time for them to gel, but they have not quite lived up to what was expected of them preseason based on the Duke name, based on that recruiting class, based on the talent level of that team. And we're going to see, you know, they went on the road to NC State. They got waxed. Then after that, they went to Boston College, escaped by a point. Now they're going on the road again to Clemson. And Clemson is, is certainly a better team than Boston College. Debatable whether they're better than NC State. So we're going to find out. Uh, a lot about Clemson this weekend. And if we can really consider Clemson ACC title contenders, those are my two games that I'm watching on Saturday. On Sunday, really quick, noon. So we have number 25 Marquette going to number 12 Xavier in the Big East. And boy, oh boy, do I love the Big East. I cannot get enough of this conference. Sean Miller now leading Xavier. They're 6-0 in the league. They're coming off a big win over Creighton, a midweek win over Creighton. And Sully Boom, their point guard, 6'3 point guard, again, 
unbelievable player. He just kind of does it all for them. 26 points against Creighton, 22 points the game before that against Villanova. You know, he gets to the basket, he can shoot the three ball, he gets to the free throw line, and he's a good rebounder too. Grabbed 10 rebounds against Villanova. He's the guy that that drives them. He has bounced around, started his career at San Francisco, then was at UTEP for a couple years, now finishing up at Xavier. But he has them going. They have Jack Nunji, who you might remember from his time at Iowa, transferred to Xavier. He's in his second year at Xavier, the big seven-foot center, uh, major contributor on this team. And, and Xavier watched a lot of that game the other night against Creighton, and they get up and down the court. They do a lot of the things that you would expect from a Sean Miller team, and they are off to a great start this year. They look like they could be legitimate Big Big East title contenders. I mean, they have to be considered Big East title contenders. They're 6-0 and at this point. They're tied with Providence atop the standings, and then Marquette, just one game back in the loss column. They're 6-1, and one, and Shaka Smart has done an unbelievable job there. You watch this team that beat UConn earlier this week, uh, had a huge home win, and they look a lot like the VCU teams that really made Shaka Smart famous, that helped him land that Texas job. They're they're running and gunning. They're number 69 in tempo. They have the third most efficient uh, efficient offense in the country, and they have a better two-point shooting percentage than anybody else in the country, shooting 60% from inside the arc. They're a fun team to watch. This This league just has such great home court environments, so many schools that care about basketball, and there are so many good coaches in this league that play a fun style of basketball. This is probably the league that I am most excited to watch the rest of the season, so I'll be tuning into that one noon on Sunday, and then finally 2.15, Ohio State goes to Rutgers, and these are two teams that, again, I think are conference title contenders in the Big Ten. You got to say Purdue is far and away the favorite. I don't think anybody would argue with that. The betting markets certainly don't argue with that. Um, With Purdue being the favorite there, but Ohio State plus 900 to win the league. Rutgers plus 850 to win the league. If you're eyeing a couple long shots, these are the two I would look at, and they square off on Sunday, 215. If I were to pick one, I would pick Rutgers. If I were to bet on one, I'd go Rutgers at plus 850 to win the league. Rutgers is one of the toughest teams defensively that I've ever seen. They they are a true Big Ten team. They play that Big Ten style of basketball. Big Cliff Amore, their 6'11 center, is a fantastic rebounder, fantastic shot blocker. Last year, he led the country in dunks, and when he dunks, he throws it down with authority. 
They have a great grad transfer in Cam Spencer, who hit a big shot the other night to take down Northwestern. His brother's alma mater, his brother, great lacrosse player at Loyola, Maryland, transferred to Northwestern as a grad transfer, played a year of basketball there. And Cam Spencer, his brother, played basketball at Loyola, Maryland, transfers to Rucker, Rutgers. Now he's hitting big shots in the conference to take down Northwestern, shooting 48% from beyond the arc on the year. Rutgers is not the greatest team offensively. They're gonna they want to get you in a rock fight. They they wanna make it tough. They wanna make it physical. They're really good at what they do. It's not the prettiest basketball, but it's effective. They've taken down Purdue on the road this year. And if you can take down Purdue in Mackey, I think you can beat just about anybody in the country. So for me, Rucker Scarlet Knights. They would be my long shot pick to win the conference. They're sitting at four and two in the league right now. Uh, Purdue, Michigan State at four and one, Michigan at three and one. Ken Palm has Rutgers projected to finish 13 and seven. Purdue projected to finish 15 and five. So, you know, not too far off from a projection perspective. They don't play Purdue again this season. But if, if you want to win the league, you got to take care of these home games. And Ohio State is a, a talented team in this conference that plays a very different style than Rutgers. They are an offense first team. They're, they're all offense, not a lot of defense. They gave up 80 points to a Maryland team that was a really struggling offensively coming into the game. They're playing Minnesota right now as I record this, and they were in a tight one with Minnesota, who has not looked really good. So there are some things that Ohio State has to... Oh, and actually, as I as I check this, Minnesota has beaten Ohio State. That is not a good loss for the Ohio State Buckeyes. That game just went final. So I would certainly cross off Ohio State out of your your long shot list that drops them to two and three in a conference in the conference. I think that's going to be a lot for them to overcome. I just don't. Wow. I am. I'm reacting to this live on the air. Ohio State was a 15 point favorite in this game, and they they were without one of their key players in Zed Key, their big man. He's been out uh, a couple games. It's it's a big loss for them. I think it really hindered them against Maryland. Um, Juju Reese, Maryland's not the biggest team, but Juju Reese was really able to be pretty effective against them. So, uh, wow, that's a, that's a big loss for Ohio State, and uh, it just makes me that much more more confident in Rutgers as the long shot pick there. So it's going to be an interesting contrast of styles, a battle of styles. Can Ohio State, the team that is kind of offense first, wants to, that's what they, they're precise in their execution and their defense is a little more iffy where you have Rutgers, that's exact the op, exact opposite. They want to get you in a rock fight. They want to make it tough and dirty. Which style is going to win? My money would be on Rutgers and my money would be on Rutgers if I'm looking for a long shot in the Big Ten. That's our show for today. Looking forward to all the college hoops in the weekend ahead. Look, I love college football, but I also love college basketball. This is one of the greatest times of the year, and this is why I wanted to create this show, because I wanted to go right into 
the fun and craziness of a college football Saturday into the madness of a college basketball Saturday and Sunday. I know there are so many of you out there who feel the same way, who love college football and then love going right into college basketball. I can't wait to break all these games down with my buddy Brian on Sunday night, and we'll get that up for you on Monday morning. Until next time, keep the grill hot and the cooler cold.